Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. love it when you come to church and actually God's here it's novel isn't it it's actually you're like in the worship who felt God oh my goodness so beautiful when we were saying like it's all about you Jesus it's all about you I'm coming back to the heart of worship I feel like just getting on my face and just crying just saying God just what have we done Turn our hearts to you, Lord. Strip it all back. Just strip it all back. There's no greater thing than just strip it all back and just be in that beautiful relationship with Him. Amen? So good. Well, we've been talking about His benefits, and this is the last sermon, so I get to do the last one on this subject. His benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Uh, Psalm 133, we're taking it from. And then next week, we're changing over to a new topic and a new theme, which would be really exciting. And I get to open the new theme, yay, in the morning. So it's going to be awesome. And from next week, we're talking about uh, we're better together. And we want to talk about community and unity and family and you know, doing things together and just being part of one another's life is going to be amazing. But I was thinking about this being the last thing and, you know, just let me read this Psalm 103. It says, Praise the Lord on my soul and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And I was thinking about that. Praise the Lord all my soul and all my inmost being. Do you know that that is just the the very beginning of that psalm without everything else is just like such a challenge straight up, like praise the Lord, my soul, which is like my mind, my will and my emotions that wants to just go three different directions than God. And then praise the Lord, all my all my inmost being. Let everything that is within me praise the Lord. And there's a psalm that I just love, and one one part of Psalm 86 and verse 11 and part B, it's this. It says this in the TLB translation, may every fiber of my being unite in reverence to your name. Just think about your whole being right now. Everything that you are inside, think about your thought life, your, who you are when you're at home, when, when you're yelling at the kids, and, you know, who you are when you're, you know, in the traffic and, you, you know, someone cuts in on you. Um, think about who you are, you know, when things aren't going so well and you have one of those days where you just don't feel like getting out of bed, you know, uh, think about who you are when 
you know, when things aren't going great. Even think about who you are when things are going great and still everything doesn't line up inside and you should be happier than what you are, but you're not. Every fibre of my being, may every fibre of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. And I remember when, we, when I first became a Christian, I, I was just so overwhelmed with him. I, was, I, was, I had a heart like this, like David, you know, like I just want every fibre of my being. I want everything inside of me. I want, this was my key scripture. I want every fibre of my being to unite in holy reverence to your name, but it just seems like nobody wanted to unite in holy reverence inside me. It was like every fiber was at war with every other fiber inside of me, you know. And I heard a sermon as a young Christian that says, there's a war within you. I went, yes, I know. (laughs) It's there every day. There's a war between who you used to be and who you are now. There's a war between who you were designed to be when you were formed in your mother's womb and who you are since you got into this world and got really messed up. There's a war between the plan that God has written for you in Psalm 139. Every day I've written your life in a book. Every day has been written already. There's There's a war between the divine will and purpose of God and the best life that you could have in Him and, of course, the life that just seems to happen. There's a war every day inside of us between the old man and the new man. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like my, my spirit says yes and my soul says no and my mind says maybe. And my stomach says pizza. And, you know? My heart says read your Bible and the television says look at me. And the telephone rings and Facebook is calling me every second of every day to be a part of the glorious world of Facebook and worship Facebook. You know, and I'd love to tell you that every day I'm so disciplined, I'm so together, I'm just like, you know, I'm the pastor after all. Aren't I the queen? Don't I have it all? Don't I wake up in the morning and praise the Lord? All my soul and all that is within me. And don't I walk through my house and can you see every fiber of my being in unity? You know? <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to be human. Oh, neither are you. That's right. You're a Christian, aren't you? You're not supposed to be human. Um... Let's have a look at this. I wrote this. I wrote this. I'll read you something that I just wrote while I was just laying there and thinking about this. There is a longing inside of me that every part, every, every fiber of my being would unite and worship God. But I don't always have success. It is a constant struggle. It is the uniting of every fiber of my being that is the main struggle. There are days when I'm in the zone and everything is great. The wind is just right to put up the sails. The worship has pulled me into the secret place where all I can see and feel is him. And I'm one with my creator and at perfect peace. 
And then there are other days when I feel like there is a war within me. I want to praise God. I want to pray. I want to read my Bible. I want to live right. I want to think right. I want to meditate on God. And I want to meditate on all that is good. But my mind is in a million places. My body cries out for attention. And my soul feels down and out. I try to pick myself up. I try to think positive. I try everything. I like David. I stand up and I say, so worship God. But my soul still says, no. <laughs> oh. You know, we, we read about Paul in the Bible. We say, you know, the greatest apostle that ever lived. Surely he had it together. And this is the writings of Paul in Romans 7, 18 to 25. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. (laughs) Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. I just think of these disciples, these these ones that followed Jesus like Paul, who, who relate to us in our humanity. I don't think that Jesus ever came to earth to just stand up and and show us how awesome he was and demand that we all be as awesome as he is. I believe that Jesus came to the earth and got in our humanity with us. I believe that he sat in the dirt with people that were sitting in the dirt, that he sat with the sinners and with the prostitutes and with the tax collectors, that he had compassion and mercy on people, that he cried over those who were sick and ailing and, and longed to lay hands on them and show them, not, not to tell them and point a finger at them and tell them, you know, how wrong you are and how bad you are because you just can't get it together. I mean, I'm sure there was times where he was frustrated and he would say, oh, you unbelieving generation, how long do I have to put up with you? But I'm sure he got over that pretty quick and just went, yeah, but I love you. I can't help it. You're complicated. You're weird. You're unusual, but you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing in every aspect of who you are and in your struggle. And he came down and it said that there was nothing that, that we face that he did not face as well and overcame it for us by his precious blood. You know, he gets us. 
You can see that with the way that he just chose the disciples. Like, he didn't go around and choosing people that were together. He didn't go around and choose the religious leaders who looked pomp and wonderful, but he called them uh, whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones, actually. He was more disgusted with them than he was with the sinners. He went around and chose ordinary fishermen. He went, and, he went and chose a prostitute. He went and chose people that he knew might never get it all together. But he knew that they were human enough, that they were aware of their shortfallings enough, that they were aware of their weaknesses enough, that they could possibly love humanity the way that he loved them. That they would never be so high above humanity that they would look down on them and judge them. But they would be so aware of their own weaknesses and their own inabilities and their own shortfallings that they would be able to hug a brother or a sister who was struggling and say, I know what that's like because I struggle too. You know, I think if there's anything else that the world needs right now, it needs people who will just be real, who will just look into the eyes of other people and say, I'm a Christian. But you know what? I am totally saved by grace. I am totally walking in his grace by what he has done for me. And I am so human. I am so human. And I think that preachers have to do it. I think that people on pulpits have to do it. Just bear their hearts and get real. And say, guess what? We struggle too. Now, when we say sin, you know, sin is very wide-ranging, isn't it? So your, your struggle with something may be different to my struggle with something, but it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle. <laughs> you know, I think of Peter. You know, Peter he was just so bad. He would just say whatever was on his mind. He would just let it out. Jesus loved that about him. You know, he didn't mind giving him a clip over the ear and bringing him into line, but he just... He just never wanted to contain him and put him in a box and try and mold him, shape him into some sort of uh, clone of what he thinks that a Christian should look and act and walk and talk and dress like. He just said, Peter, I love who you are. I love your expression. And he knew Peter's humanity. He knew Peter's weaknesses. You know, on the day that he said, who do you say that I am? You know, who do you say that I am? Some say I'm John the Baptist, and some say I'm this and that. What? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks around and says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. Upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church. And Peter's just like, whoa, I got it right. Woo. You other disciples, check me out. Got it right. I just got the pat on the back. I just got the big tick from the big man in front of you all. And then, of course, it was only a few days later that that, that here is Jesus being arrested. 
he's going to be arrested. And he says to, he says to Peter, you know, they're going to come and get me. They're going to arrest me. And he says, never. I will never let that happen to you. And he went into his flesh. because he... And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And tells him that he's speaking from Satan. And he's like, whoa, hang on. I just got a revelation from heaven. I spoke from the Father. And I was just like, I made it. And now I'm like, Satan? Like I'm speaking. <laughs> and I just love that. And then he's there and they arrest Jesus and he's cutting someone's ear off and Jesus has to put the ear back on. So Peter, <laughs> now I have to put the ear back on. But I love it because Jesus just goes and fixes his mess and I can see him just smiling and just going, Pete. And they're at the Last Supper and, and he says, someone's going to deny me. Someone's going to betray me. And Peter, I would never, I would never do that. And he said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you will de- in the morning, you will deny me three times. Right. And Peter says, I would never do that. I would never do that. And as they're dragging Jesus off, no, that's you were with him. No, I never knew him. I didn't know him. Someone else says, oh, I know you were the one that was with him. No, I didn't know him. And then the third time, you were with him. No, I didn't know him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. And he's gone into hiding and he's, he's in fear. He's just, he, feels, he, feels, he knows what he's done and Jesus is crucified and now Jesus is gone and he can never say sorry and he feels like an idiot. And there he is, he's just out fishing and he looks and there's someone on the beach. Who's that on the beach? There's someone cooking fish. Just someone cooking fish. And he realizes it's Jesus and he comes. He's out of his bone. He comes to Jesus and Jesus is just cooking him a meal. And he's looking at him. I can't believe you're cooking me a meal. Like I denied you three times. And you're cooking me a meal. And Jesus is in his glorified state. He's risen from the dead. I mean, he should be standing there in all his glory saying, bow down and worship me, Peter. Like in the movies, you know. But he's just sitting there cooking and fish. Can you imagine how Peter felt? And Peter, Peter's just like looking at him and Jesus just asks him. He doesn't go back over what Peter has done wrong. He doesn't rehearse with Peter as Peter's rehearsing in his mind. Can you imagine Peter's mind going, oh, I've done so much wrong. I've just blown it so many times. Surely this time. He doesn't go over that. He doesn't even remember what Peter's done. He just says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you know that I love you? Feed my sheep. Peter, he asked him a second time, do you really love me? You know that I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. And he asked him a third time, as if to cover over his three mistakes, Peter, do you love me? I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. In other words, 
I'm still calling. The calling that I put on your life. I knew who you were when I called you. I knew what you would do. I knew everything from the beginning to the end. But Peter, go feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And to think about what it must have felt like for the disciples when they all had their humanity. They all had that place like we have. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? And, and they're there in the upper room and they've prepared communion. And Jesus comes into the room and he gets out a cloth and, and a bowl. What's he doing? What's he doing? And he just gets down on his knees and he kneels before each one of them and he begins to wash their feet. Can you imagine what was going through their minds? Like, Jesus, if you knew me, if you, if you knew my thought life, if you knew the struggles that I have, if you, if you knew the times that I've let you down that, that you haven't even seen. If you knew that, you would never wash my feet. And they tried to rebuke him and say, you can't wash my feet. Like, don't wash my feet. But he was trying to teach them something. What was he trying to teach them? Psalm 103 says, forget not all his benefits. And the benefits talk about salvation and healing and all the other benefits that come with salvation. But I think the greatest benefit of all, the greatest benefit that we have that Jesus was trying to teach these disciples is that he loves us. He loves us. He loves me. He loves me. And when I say to him, may every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name, he looks down at me and he says, every fiber of my being is already united in love for you, like you don't even imagine. He's trying to tell me, stop beating yourself up. Stop trying so hard. If you would just get a revelation of how much I love you, then you would cease trying. You would cease your religious activity. You would cease beating yourself up. And you would worship me because... You want to be with the one who loves you. The one who knows your humanity and yet steps through walls to find you. Who bows his knee to wash your feet when it's his feet that should be washed. Who covers over your mistakes with a, with a laugh. A 
God so loved the world, for God so loved you and me, that he gave his only son. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he was so delighted to take all your mistakes, to take all your shortcomings, to take all your weaknesses and say, they're on me. They're on me. It is finished. It is finished. And so when we go, bless the Lord on my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Or in Psalm 68, 11, may every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to his name. It's so easy to go to that place to bless his name, that my soul would bless his name because he loves my soul no matter what. He loves every fiber of my being no matter what. Even if it's not in unity, he loves the mess that I am. He loves every part of me. I just love this it says in Romans 2, 4, it says it's God's kindness. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Now, how many of you in this room have tried to overcome a certain sin or a certain weakness or and yet you keep failing? Maybe you just need to change your mind and say, I'm not doing this because I have to be a good Christian. I'm not doing this because I have to tick some boxes to please God. I'm not doing this just because I feel a little guilty and people are looking at me and I'll look a bit weird being a Christian if I'm doing this. I'm not doing this and I choose not to do this. Because he loves me. And I don't want to break his heart. I don't want to break his heart. He loves me. I want to love what he loves. And I want to hate what he hates. I want to love what he loves. And I want to hate what he hates. Because he loves me. Love is such a cheap word. I hate when I say, you know, when I'm preaching, I say, he loves you. It's just like, now my father loved me and he left and my mother loved me and my friend and my boyfriend and yeah, love, 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 love. But you see, all those words for love are all the same in our English language. They all get messed together. But in the original language, In the original language, all those words for love had different words. You know, there was filio love for friendship, and there was, you know, there was all different words. But God's love that he says, when he says he loves us, that love is agape love. It's a love that we humans don't even comprehend. We cannot comprehend that. 
It means all-consuming love. It means unconditional love. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Not according to how good you are. Not according to how many boxes you've ticked. Not according to how many times you read your Bible, prayed. Not how piously Christian you may look on the outside. It's unconditional. And as long as we in our heart of hearts know that we are not taking that unconditional love and making it so cheap where we would blatantly sin and not really care, as long as in our hearts there's always that place where we're crying out, may every part of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. Let every part of, let everything within me worship you, God. As long as there's that heart that is like that, his unconditional love covers you and covers everything about you and takes you on the journey of sanctification, restoration, and beauty from glory to glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into the image of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. And one day he'll look into our eyes face to face and we'll be made perfect, the Bible says. But until that day, he understands our humanity. One of my favorite singers wrote this song. I'm going to read you the lyrics of, but this is what she wrote behind the song, why I wrote this song. It's, it's called Killing Me With Mercy. <laughs> I love it. I wrote this from the perspective of Peter, who I've also grown to love because we can all relate to him. Oftentimes when we approach God, we want to bring something to the table and think we need to earn it or work for it, especially if we hit a wall of failure, whether that be sin or a dark night of our soul. But it's what you do in that hour that defines you as a person and as a believer. The humility and courage it takes to receive mercy from the God you betrayed in Peter's case. Christ comes back from the dead and Peter has the courage to look the God he denied in the eye and accept the fact that he knows he's loved and known by him better than he knows himself. I can truly describe the emotion that story brings out on me. You'd rather him scream and shout at you and put you on probation, but his kindness just crushes you. We're not like that with each other. We make each other pay for our wrongs. But God's not like that at all. Misty Edwards. And these are the lyrics to the song. I was listening to this this afternoon, just crying in the Lord's presence, the beauty of who he is. It says, what are you doing, Lord, kneeling in front of me? I feel indignant, Lord, that you'd ever wash my feet. I'll never let you see the dark and dirty. It's just too much for me. I know who you are, and I know where I have been. It offends me, Lord, that your knees are bent. I'd rather you'd be strong and make me pay, but this is too much for me. You're killing me with mercy. I can't breathe. You're wrecking me with your kindness. I can't receive. What am I supposed to do with a God so humble? It's breaking me. It's crushing me. 
I draw a sword for you. I said I'd fight unto the death. I'd lose it all for you. I swore I'm not like the rest. But then the cock crows and I've let you down and I can't face you now. I can't face you now. You're killing me with mercy. I can't breathe. You're wrecking me with your kindness. I can't receive. What am I supposed to do? With a God so humble, it's breaking me. It's crushing me. I'm a vow that's broken. I'm a rock that's crumbled at your feet. But you still want me. You say my love is real. Though my love is weak, you still believe the vows I make, the vows I break. I make, I break. You still want me. You're killing me with your kind mercy. I can't breathe. You're wrecking me with your kindness. I can't receive. What am I supposed to do with a God so humble? It's breaking me. I'll just believe that you love me. (laughs) Do we have the bear now, please? So beautiful. I wonder if we could sing that. I'm going back to the heart of worship, yeah. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We sang that song before, He loves us, oh, how He loves us, oh, how He loves us. If we could just, just get a, even a glimpse, just a glimpse of how much He loves us, it would wreck us like she's saying. If we got a glimpse of His mercy that He wants to pour on us, we wouldn't be able to breathe. It would just be too much. I believe in this day, in this hour, in this time that never before that God wants to pour His intimate, private, beautiful, unconditional love upon His people. We've been beat up by ourselves too long. We've been beat up by the world for too long. We've been beat up by the devil for too long. We've been beat up by religious leaders for too long. It's time for Jesus to come, kneel down in front of us and wash our feet and wreck us with his mercy. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Oh, you're beautiful. I wonder if you would join me tonight in just a time of true repentance. I'm not asking you tonight to repent of your sin. I'm asking you to repent of seeing him different to what he really is. And I'm asking you to forgive yourself tonight. That you would receive a revelation that He loves you. So right now, just while the music washes over you, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. 
Forgive us for beating ourselves up and running away from you. Forgive us, Lord, when we give up worshipping you because we don't feel good enough. Forgive us when we've judged ourselves and we've judged others, God. Forgive us. enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.